Welcome to the Programmatic Digest, a podcast dedicated to review industry headlines and trends in the programmatic and digital ad tech world. I'm Ellen Parker, your host and Chief Programmatic Sensei of Ellen Parker Consulting, where we offer customizable training in programmatic media. Welcome to the Programmatic Digest podcast, Darren. How are you doing today? I am well. How are you doing, Ellen? I am, I'm doing pretty fantastic. I'm doing great. Uh, first first thing first, I did pronounce your, your name correctly, right, Darren? Yes, Darren. That's exactly it. Darren. Whew! I swear I practiced this morning. I was like, he said it on LinkedIn. I have no right of not pronouncing this name correctly. I had time to practice. So cool. I, I am so excited that you used that. Somebody <laughs> just told me about that like a month ago that you could oh, do really? that on LinkedIn. No, maybe it was longer than that. But like, yeah. uh, it's only been up there a few months. And I'm like, does anybody actually use this? So thank you for being <laughs> someone that used it. Yeah, I feel you because my first language is French and the H is silent, a little bit like Spanish. So mm-hmm. I did it too, but you know, you'd still get the the people that work with you that calls you Helene or Helena, which there's an A apparently somewhere that I didn't know about. So I think it's a great feature. Um, but there's also like a feature where you can actually record yourself saying it. And mm-hmm. I thought that was, that's pretty good. So I, I'm going to get to that. But um, yeah, I'm excited to have you today. Um, I'd love to, to, you know, to let everyone on the podcast know who you really are, what you do. You work for Essence Global Media. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you here because I saw you a couple of times walking by at Programmatic IO oh, in Las Vegas. And I was like, oh, well. uh, but all things, I believe that all timings are perfect when they happen. So here you are. Please tell us uh, anyone listening to the podcast who don't know you yet, who you are, what some of your aspirations are, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, thank you so much for um, all of that. And yeah, this is a long overdue, but you know, nothing's ever lost, right? So exactly. happy we're making this happen. Um, yeah, uh, Theron Oliphant, I am the uh, Senior Vice President of Data and Technology at yeah. Essence Global, soon to be Essence Mediacom, which is a part of the WPP Group M family of um, uh, agencies and um, creative shops. So um, yeah, I focus on the data side of the ad agency space. So um, data strategy, advertising technology, and ad operations Mm -hmm. are uh, the remit of my organization. We also work directly with the product teams and the data operations and uh, business intelligence teams very closely. Um, So that's pretty much all of the things that happen on the back end. Right. Um, all of the ways in which um, ads are shown, um, the data gets collected, the data gets, um, you know, analyzed and also distributed. So um, I got into this space really circuitously. So um, I think I'm semi famously known for the fact that I was a car guy. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the part that people don't know is the car business went belly up during the 2008 uh, recession and I had to figure out a way to transition, right? Um, and so for me, it was a slow kind of matriculation over here. So I started with getting involved with websites uh, for car dealers um, and then teaching them how to use those websites to make more money. Mm-hmm. And that then, of course, kind of slowly turned into oh, this is how data is collected, this is how it's used. 
Wow. Um, and then I ended up working at an automotive data company, which is pretty famous, called Polk Automotive, <laughs> which was, um, yeah, bought by uh, Data Logics. <laughs> and I was a part of the product team that uh, created the Polk Data Logics auto segments, which are like widely in use today. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And using those segments. Oh, yeah. And that's actually how I learned about advertising, really, um, was through like just writing about it. So I started a blog at Polk mm -hmm. where okay. I started just like reading about, oh, man, there's this whole this is like 2009, right? Okay. 2010. And so, you know, the idea of programmatic advertising was still very new. Yeah. The idea of onboarding data was very new. Yeah. And so I was like on the cusp of all these things, learning about it, writing about it. Um, I was flying back and forth to New York and San Francisco at the time. I lived in Detroit, uh -huh. which is my hometown. And I was just asking these people that had all these startups, like, how do you do what you do? Like literally like a kid, right? Like, <laughs> like I don't get it. Like, you know, whiteboard for me. And, um, and, and people were kind enough to do it. And I learned about, you know, basically the, the, the mechanisms that are used to actually get ads in front of eyeballs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the, through a string of different roles, um, I ended up here today. Okay, so I'm going to take the next 30 seconds to let you know about the Reach Frequency, which is a course you have asked me for, okay? And I've spent a lot of time crafting every single lesson just for you. Why should you even consider? And then I'm already pretty aware of what's going on for my advertising. I love your podcast content. This is where I'm here. Cool, great. But you may know somebody that really wants to learn about programmatic advertising and don't know where to start, right? Most likely you've received training via your current job or via a previous job, right? You work for an agency, you work for a partner or a vendor in the industry, and they provided uh, the, the training, right? Is that how you got here? Well, did you know that that's the, actually the only way to get training nowadays? Like if for any one of our friends in the digital marketing world, it's really hard for us to, for them to really learn anything if they don't know who, where, and, and, and really what to look for. So the Reach and Frequency course is geared for those people. It's going to take you from zero to 100, from fundamentals to how to run a successful programmatic media campaign, how to run a successful department if you wish to be a leader or lead a department in programmatic advertising. The Reach and Frequency course is for you. Okay, we talk about we talk about anything from fundamentals. We talk about anything from who are the key players in the industry. But the biggest thing is that I give you my recommendation, my feedback, my guides. I was a trader. I was a buyer for few for eight plus years, right? And I led teams. I led teams of buyers. So I'm really, really, really good when it comes to running a programmatic advertising strategy, implementing, executing, optimizing, and reporting on, and then selling some more. I'm really good at that. So yeah, you can probably get most of this training out there. Great. Don't only stop at with my course. Continue training because that's 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 what it's all about, right? But what you won't get anywhere else and you'll get with me is all of that experience I've been able to gather, you've been able to implement. 
Like this is an interactive course for you to learn anything you should know about programmatic advertising, whether you're already working in it or you're trying to work in the industry. So check out the Reach and Frequency course brought to you by me, your very own programmatic coach. I'm very grateful for this experience that I've gone through the last two years and I'm here to teach you everything that I know. Check out reachandfrequency.live, reachandfrequency.live, and now back to the episode. Oh my gosh. All right. All right. I know we, we talked about, um, you know, we're going to focus the theme of the podcast interview is going to be around the changing focus of user consent and the control of data and what publishers should know and how addressable ideas are the new standards or maybe not, but <laughs> something inside of me is burning to ask, like, what are the one thing you, okay. So you're kind of OG because of your, your, your time in the industry, right? So I always joke that six to six months a year in digital adver- programmatic advertising is almost seven years, like dog years, right? Because you learn so much, so much going on. So with that said, what is like one thing you remember doing that doesn't even exist now? <laughs> like part of like the digital advertising programmatic, like because I remember there was way back when uh, like mobile advertising was really hot, but then at the same time, it was very... You know, there's a lot of like transparency issues at that time. And I'm only talking about 2014. That's when I really started. Uh-huh. Well, I did programmatic. So what are the one thing like, dang, I remember we had to do this, but now it's obsolete because it's automated this way. Wow. So there's a couple of different things, actually. Okay. Um, the first one, you just said mobile. So it made me think of, of the fact that like, there's literally no mobile DSPs anymore, right? So like, Back in the day, I worked for Place IQ, and um, you're right. Yeah, and 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 I, my job actually at Place IQ was to work with all of the mobile DSPs and um, integrate our data construct into their platform, wow. and help them sell it and do all the things, right? And it's funny because like that literally doesn't exist anymore at all. Either they were bought up or just stopped existing for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. And um, now all of the, uh, I guess, like hyper-local contextual is just done through the regular programmatic system. Um, yeah. But but there used to be a whole sub-segment of like mobile DSP. So that's one that's, that's pretty hilarious. Um, another one that I think that people like take for granted now is... <laughs> Um, <laughs> is like just the the systematized way of like utilizing front end systems, right? Like there's so many things that used to have to be done purely by like their code or SQL. So like if you think about just bidding, mm-hmm. like putting in a bid back in the day was like super complicated. You had to just like a, there there was a kind of UIs, but they were very, very nascent and immature. And now today you just go in and you check some boxes, you put in your numbers and it's like, boom, 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 you're done. And um, yeah, the, the, so the whole bidding like front end is, is something that's also very different today. That is so interesting. Yeah. Um, sometimes you don't even have to enter any bidding because the DSP suggests based on that seed audience. I know the trade desk. Exactly. Here's a base bit to to suggest because of the seed audience you've selected or whatnot, or your pixel audiences you selected. Um, that is super interesting. And on that note, let's ter- let's like 
let's like gear towards, um, you know, I think it's a good segue into like all of the changing focus when it comes to like user consent. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, Google just announced that they're pushing back uh, to 2024, the cookie apocalypse, right? Or maybe we're already in a cookie apocalypse. I don't know. Um, even though this episode is not going to air maybe until, uh, let's say, <clears throat> two weeks from now or three weeks from now, there are a lot of point of view out there to be shared. So what are some point of view that maybe you have uh, regarding the, you know, uh, privacy data and what's happening, how it merged into the third party cookie deprecation? Um, what are one, what's your point of view and what are other point of view that you've heard that you're like, oh, definitely agree with blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'll start from the like top, top macro, like, right. Um, we were always playing on a house of cards. with this, right? Oh. So they, they weren't necessarily built for the purpose they ended up getting used for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think ultimately it's a good thing to change the actual technology okay. uh, of, of data collection and, and data trans transference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also too, I mean, they were they were. It's a a technology that is not super secure. And one of the things that I think about when people talk about this whole like area of the industry is that we don't break it down into the pieces and parts that really exist, right? So there's a part of it that's about privacy, okay, and making sure that user information is um, disaggregated from like what people are doing and that you can't back into an individual's like just normal name and address and all that kind of good stuff. Right. So that you like keep people's data safe. Yeah. Okay. But then there's this other part about security that I think is really under talked about because um, like now I work with brands quite a bit and brands have always been very reticent about utilizing their first party data in any respect, but partly because not just the privacy aspect of it, because they want to use it. They know who these people are. The issue is, is the security, right? So like making sure that the information doesn't leave their, um, their walls. And I think clean rooms are providing a lot of opportunity for that technology to be um, utilized for adding a layer of security that didn't exist before. So not only the privacy aspect, but also the security aspect. Um, and then the the other part of it is like just the technology itself. We used to do uh, like, OK, if you think about cookie syncing and like what that actually is, it's saying, OK, somebody hosts a match table and your cookies get matched with somebody else's cookies and see if they're the same person. And then we sync those cookies together. That is a also a quagmire in terms of like privacy and security because now you've got multiple parties intertwining data that is like totally unsecure and so um i i my perspective is it is it was always necessary for us to find a new route and a new method for us to like actually share data in a private but also in a secure way yeah so um so so I think it's a positive thing. What I what I am um, a little bit, I think, concerned about is that we still haven't figured out exactly how we're going to collect the data, 
right? Do we get people to authenticate? That creates kind of crappy experience. Um, Do we find um, some other backend mechanism to allow people to like automatically authenticate, you know? So there's like now these technologies that are in the marketplace that are allowing people to auto authenticate. If, If I've authenticated one place and you've got this code on your site, then it notices me and authenticates me, right? Yeah. Um, so, so there's all these little things around the privacy conversation that we kind of still need to figure out like that. Oh, man. Um, you unpacked a lot because I, I actually had a follow-up um, question about security, but you addressed it. And you're right. During the cookie, I mean, the trade desk calls it the cookie table. I mean, basis calls it cookie mapping. It's when everybody's matching those cookies together. I did not really see how or really comprehend how that could be, you know, oh, now you're reusing and sharing this data, but you've only had consent one time and you may have not been clear with that consent. So that's really interesting the way you you put it into perspective, because I don't think most traders, campaign managers, but also like some of those leadership, I don't think they understand the importance uh, that comes with that. And um, in the... Um, to go back up, because I have a question about authentication. Um, I'm thinking, okay, most of the data we're gonna start buying from an open internet perspective is going to be authenticated, even uh-huh. though it's not the big data, the millions and millions of impressions, which should have never happened. Like you said, we we oh, we abused uh, cookies for that matter, and that's why we're in the situation. But what's your perspective on like the open internet and authentication and privacy and private deals or guaranteed and non-guaranteed? Where do you think we're going to fall? Because open exchange is very much, I don't know, it, it has a big chunk of the programmatic buy out here. But I am saying, I'm projecting or estimating rather that um, we might be moving into like that more of a direct partnership right, with big publishers. Think about it like oh a Vox Media or um, who's the one the hotel that just uh, went media whichever that hotel was. Um, so what's what's your point of view like? Do you think how do you think the open exchange I mean the open internet is going to go from here, especially with the on the cookie and privacy um, topic? Welcome to the programmatic meetup. Yay! I'm so excited about this community that we're building. It's going to be a safe space for media buyers, ad ops, uh, programmatic ninjas, data analysts like you and I, you know, just to come up and talk about our day-to-day challenges in our direct roles, some of my some of our wins and some of our um, opportunities to grow, to educate ourselves. Some of the topic of discussion includes anything from optimization, best practice, QA, templating, workflow, um, ver- operational workflow. I'll have guest appearance. I'm bringing my network to you. And the best part of it is that you'll have one-on-one questions with them. Oh, so excited about this, yo. I'm so hyped. Um, so what to expect in your membership, right? Um, you can expect one hour call every first and third Wednesday of the month. Access to all the recordings for the paid members within our community. Um, discounted one-on-one consulting with me and some of the guests that will be gracing us with their presence and their appearance. Customizable training, but most importantly, new best friends y'all i'm very excited about this opportunity this is a community for you and i this is a community for us to just join forces and really 
really share, really just being able to be together in a community. There's so much growth when you're in a community, when you're able to relate to people, or somebody understands where you're coming from, um, from, from different perspective, right? So, so join today. Programmatic Meetup uh, community is open to you. Bring your friends, tell your friends to bring his friends, to bring her friends and his friends to meet up with us. Um, we respect you, we love you, we appreciate you. We're ready to like uh, support you. So make sure you join the programmatic meetup. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very excited about this. So thank you so much and see you soon. Yeah, I mean, the so that's a good question. Um, and one that it, I kind of guess I have two answers for. Uh, the, <laughs> the, my first answer is uh, authentication. It's absolutely going to happen. I am a proponent of this idea that publishers are going to get their act together. They're going to figure out how to make authentication a very seamless experience yeah. and that they will add value right? Because it's a value exchange. Like if you're giving me your data, you're giving me access to your email or whatever else, like I need to give you value for that. So um, how do we do that? That's like the first piece of it from the authentication perspective. Um, and and also allowing people to have that anonymity when they want it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so every brand I'm not going to necessarily want to work with, serve me the ads that are like, that are not tailored or personalized to me. That's fine. Okay. Um, so from an authentication perspective, I'm very bullish on the idea that people will authenticate if you give them a reason to do so, mm -hmm. right? Like create a relationship and give them a reason. Um, your question about the programmatic open ecosystem, mm -hmm. I think it changes a little bit, right? So right now, the programmatic open ecosystem runs on like what can be passed in the bit stream, right? So you've right. got all this data that is collected by cookies oftentimes. Um, you, you have data that's collected by maids in the mobile, um, ecosystem and it gets basically put into the bit stream in a, in a string of characters or an array that I can read as I'm, I'm bidding against these. And if anything matches, I can like, you know, place my bid accordingly. Um, and what I think is going to change about that is like how that data gets into the bid stream. So, um, it is, it is kind of auto-populated today by cookies. Yeah. Um, and it's very like click-based, right? Like, like I'd say probably somewhere between, and this is like me pulling a number out of the air, but like, you know, it's probably three quarters of that information is click-based information. Like what did you do while on the internet? <laughs> yeah. um, and so like, that's going to be, I think, slightly different where it's going to be attention-based metrics. There's going to be the authenticated IDs that are connected to data that's online and offline. Mm -hmm. um, and there's going to be just a, a different, there's going to be a, a different type of information that gets, that gets uh, posted to the bid stream. And that will ultimately kind of define mm -hmm. what is um, usable. But I think programmatic continues to thrive. It's just, they're going to have to like change their, their pipes in the way that they're passing and collecting data um, mm -hmm. and, and what data it is that they have anyway, right? So like that, that tranche of, of click data that just, I, I don't even know how useful it was, uh, you know, and, and there's, there's times when, you know, you would say really 
the thing that drives, and this is actually a third thing. So as I'm talking, I'm thinking of stuff, but <laughs> like what really drives um, performance is, gonna, is the conversion data, right? Okay. So like yep. um, if, if you can still figure out how to uh, pipe in conversion metrics back mm-hmm. into your bidding systems, especially okay. if you can do it real time, mm-hmm. um, that is going to be, I think, the way that, that the programmatic pipes continue to thrive. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a good perspective. I like this perspective too, because you have to go back. I like the fact that you're taking us back, like, okay, this is, this is, there's an opportunity here, but you got to understand the source, like open the hood of the car, the the car reference, um, like (laughs) show me the car facts for real, for real. What's, what's in there? How are things being, being matched? I think that's a really important because again, sometimes we just go through our day to day and we don't really understand where it's, things coming from we just know it's here and we use it right we're like one eye what, what do we say one eye closed and the other eye open yeah um, but but i like that perspective and i think this is a good segue into like one of my final questions here which is from an agency perspective um how do you even address this conversation with some of the brands i mean i can maybe i shouldn't assume but i'm thinking a bigger brand like a coca-cola let's say uh would be able to have a team to help understand you probably have an in-house person but like when it comes to a role of the agency and connecting those data vendors these advertisers Uh vendors anything else how what's your point of view like how what's your position in how to best advise or recommend to anyone in the ecosystem, right? To a vendor or to your client, client to your agency clients. Yeah, all of them are a little bit different, um, and you know the 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 need states of each are different, right? So I have a colleague who likes to talk about like companies that are data rich and companies that are data poor, mm-hmm. and I almost kind of like separate the world into those two camps. So the data rich, I am telling them, hey, we need to figure out a stack that I that identifies the right suite of partners that are gonna allow you to use that data uh, and take advantage of it. Mm. Um, And not only take advantage of it, but enrich it, augment it, and like, you know, get it out in the marketplace. You can very much replicate what you used to do with cookies Mm -hmm. if you have that kind of an ecosystem. So I'm talking about specifically um, like a uh, CDP um, Mm -hmm. and, then connecting that CDP to the walled garden clean rooms, to an open ecosystem clean room. And yeah. if you have any publisher consortiums that, that want to work with um, that have a clean room, like an NBCU, you can mm-hmm. do that as well. Because like once you have this suite of services, then you can start to, to do all of the things that you want to do, right? You have mm-hmm. a, um, the, the, I guess the, the piping in place to do it. The one thing I would say that we have to be very careful about on the agency side too, though, is recommending is not or not recommending a suite of tools that the cost benefit ratio then goes upside down, right? Okay. Because it can be expensive from a platform and a person perspective to get all of these things in the market. So you really have to do like a prioritization exercise and figure out exactly what do you want to do how do you want to get there and we will then recommend the suite of tools in conjunction with your your engineers uh, on how to get there gotcha for the data poor it's a little bit different conversation um 
And a lot of times there's these companies who just never had the need to collect data. So think CPG companies or, you know, if, you don't, if you're not, if, if I use a suite of partners to sell my services or my products, then I don't usually have a direct relationship with clients. So I have just naturally less data unless I have really good um, terms with those, with those partners to get the data back. So for them, it's a very different conversation. It's like, okay, what can we do to create um, a targeting and attribution model for you that works um, without having to have those first-party relationships? So connecting you to third-party data marketplaces, um, making sure that we can um, sign deals with the places where you're um, pushing your advertising so that you can get that optimization and attribution. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to do cross-platform um, attribution, um, okay, now we probably need to figure out a distributed framework. So we need to get modelers involved to figure that. Like, so just all of those things kind of like are separated just literally by how much data do you have. Mm, that's so good. Like there's so many follow-up questions, but I want to be mindful of your time. And I usually ask this question before we actually get on the podcast. Um, but I'm going to switch it up. So I usually ask, what would be your explanation to like a five-year-old, seven-year-old about uh, programmatic advertising? But I'm going to challenge you here a little bit because I know that data cleaning, clean rooms are, is like a term. Honestly, started hearing about it when maybe less than a year ago, right? It's probably, it existed way beyond that point. But about a year ago, I heard the first time about data clean rooms. I said, okay, here goes another thing now. And then found out a little bit more during programmatic IO, where I actually was like, oh, shucks, I might want to pay attention to this part. So in your own, um, so here's the here's question. Uh, if you had to explain to my niece, Amina, she's five, six, I don't know, one of them. Uh, how would you explain data clean rooms to her? <laughs> First off, you, you're not knowing your niece's real age, your brother or sister. Okay, hold on. Your butt. <laughs> Crazy. I have to ask the oldest niece, Michaela. She's 13. I know that for a fact. She's 13. And I'll uh-huh. be like, this is your sister now. She's like 10. And how old is the other one? She's like, she's she's five or six. I'm pretty sure she's still, maybe she's six. I can't remember. <laughs> Watch her mom text me tonight and be like, girl, she's seven. <laughs> right. You right. know what? I'm done. I'm you're done. Gonna, you're going to have to post a retraction and everything. Exactly. I'm going to have to edit this podcast, but at least I'm yeah. the fun auntie though. Like they, you know, they only get to see me because we're three hours away. So every time I'm around, I'm like really cool auntie, you know, so I can get back with them. The parents on the other hand, we'll talk about them later. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Yeah. So um, how would I explain it to your five or six or maybe seven year old niece? Um, <laughs> I would... I mean, I think, you know, first off, I would, I would say, um, if you think of like what we do, like a game, um, where the goal is like to get, uh, a ball to the other side of the field okay, and you have to then, um, get it in a certain spot. Right. Like, so it's got like a box then, but there's multiple boxes and this ball, you can write on which box it goes, but you got to pass off those instructions to other kids down the line, closer and closer to that. box. Mm. And 
the instructions tell the next person where who to give the ball to and okay. uh, and what what they need to get or what that person needs to be like wearing let's say they need what what they need to be wearing mm-hmm. so if they're wearing yellow that's like data to us right mm-hmm. and then that data is used to make sure the ball goes to the right place and ultimately ends up in the correct slot at the other end of it. Oh, that's pretty good. Okay, okay. I was off the dome too, so no, I'm very proud of myself. Good. That's good. I'm going to use this again and again. Let me tell you, I'm going to license it. I'm going to give you credit every time I use it. Um, but if you're listening to this explanation and you're like, you actually, this is pretty dope. Let Theron know. Let me know. Drop in our DMs. Drop in our Instagram or LinkedIn, whatever you want. Let us know that we did a good job because it was actually a really tough question. It was really tough. Um, All right. So if somebody had to stop the podcast right now, right, based on our conversation, the past conversation, what is one advice or recommendation you want to give them based on the topic? And again, we talked about um, privacy. We talked about user consent. We talked about, you know, from an agency perspective, what is one thing you're like, okay, if you have to have this actionable insight, this will be it. Um, Yeah. My actionable insight would be Learn the trade before you learn the tricks of the trade. A lot of the things that we've been talking about are uh, built on top of what is already a very solid infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the internet and what it's built on, um, you know, the advertising technology was all built around that. Mm-hmm. And so as it changes, understanding that that base infrastructure is really important to understanding how those changes ultimately will impact the mm-hmm. way that you can go to market with, with advertising and understand all these new things like clean rooms. So hopefully you were actually at my talk about clean rooms at programmatic <laughs> IO. You don't have to answer. You don't have to answer. I was, that's what okay. I asked. <laughs> all right. Okay, good. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, ultimately learning these things and upskilling yourself to, to, to learn these new technologies mm-hmm. starts with an understanding of that base infrastructure. And if you have that, no, there's, there's nothing new that's going to come out that you can't ultimately that's figure good. out how to work and utilize to your advantage. That's good. That's pretty good. Um, you know, it made me think about this final question for real. Um, so I train individuals or teams in a day-to-day. That's what my consulting uh, firm does. And very often, like, I'll get those very green individuals. Obviously, I train anyone has zero programmatic experience how to start into programmatic experience, uh, um, programmatic media, and become a trader, a buyer, you name it. And I really get this questions very often. I'm always like, uh, it depends, it depends. But based on your expertise and your your seniority in the industry, uh, what is that one skill set you you come across from other individuals that are like, oh, that's that makes them a great not a great person per se, because that's a different question, but like from a professional perspective, what is that one skill set a trader that's just starting may want to develop right away? Yeah, that's, um, so that's a tough question. Um, Actually, you know what? So this is something I was like talking about with some folks on Twitter the other day. So (laughs) what what I look for are second order thinkers, right? So I'm not looking for somebody who like knows this math or that coding language or this or that. Mm-hmm. I am looking for people who can take an idea, mm-hmm. mentally apply it, and then understand what 
the effects of that are going to be. Mm-hmm. Because in this industry, a lot of stuff is, is, is a little bit opaque until you actually put it into action. And yeah. so you have to be able to play those things out mentally before you actually do it. I mean, and you're going to make some mistakes, obviously, but I'm really looking for people who, who have that second order thinking capability. That's really interesting. I've never heard the term second order. So I'm going to remember that. That's pretty good. That's pretty cool. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for dropping by. This was absolutely a great uh, interview. Um, if, is there any final wisdom that you want to share with the listener? Any final wisdom that I want to share with the listener? Although the whole damn episode was wisdom upon wisdom. <laughs> but just in case you had one more for us, what would you want to tell us? <laughs> one more thing that I would want to say is like, I, I really hope um, that more people get involved in this industry, that more people of color get involved in this industry. I think it is a excellent way to make a living um, and it is future-proofed. So if you are you know, in a, in a job or a role that is going away because of technology, mm-hmm. here is a, like a technology-based industry that is continuing to grow and thrive and there's new companies opening and if you're willing to like dig in and learn, mm-hmm. um, it it is the imagination is 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 absolutely just like uncapped that you can have for things that you can do. Um, you can create a company, you can work for a good company, um, and you can grow your career and live a good life. So I, you know, that's that's the last thing I want to leave people with is like um, we're we're looking for more intelligent people that are interested in this field and i would love to just open it up to to those who don't really know about it today that is such a great way to end the podcast i mean shameless plug y'all i can help with this training check out the reach and live for that matter uh, but thank you so much for dropping out we really appreciate you yeah no doubt i set them up you knock them down so yeah <laughs> <Thank you. laughs>